Talking Taiwan has been on hiatus, and as we relaunch around Thanksgiving and the upcoming holidays, I'm sure we're all thinking about what's for dinner. So I thought it would be a good time to share this interview that I did with Trig Brown and Josh Koo, the duo behind the Taiwanese-American restaurant Winsun, located in East Williamsburg in Brooklyn, New York. This interview was recorded in March of 2018. Here it is. You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. My guests on today's podcast are restaurant owners Trip Brown and Josh Koo, the duo behind the Taiwanese American restaurant Winsun, located in East Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you for having us. So, of course, I have to ask, like, how did two of you meet, and like, how did you discover that you have this common love of Taiwanese food, and then you know the whole how it actually became an idea to open a restaurant, all that. We met at a party. That a mutual friend of ours wasn't throwing. It was more so, I guess, your homies or your roommates that were throwing the party, like Hunter. And、uh, and I went there and I met Trig for the first time there, and、um, we kind of just snowballed from there. We started hanging out more because he moved up to where I was living at the time. And and the more we hung out, the more we talked about food and what we like to do on our time off. I guess、and、just you know, fun stuff when you get. To make a new friend, you talk about stuff that you know that you both like. You both like, and、uh, we both like a lot of similar things. I think, like, also, that also, like, you know, I, I like always tell the story. It's probably annoying, but my my I, I have I like this guy that is a he's he's from LA, but his folks are from Taiwan,、mm-hmm. and I I didn't I knew that he was Taiwanese、um, or that he was、uh, Chinese politically, but his family is from Taiwan, and just kind of grasping that. Sort of complex nuance. I understood that Taiwan was a had a complicated history. So when Josh and I found、uh, a common ground over Taiwanese、uh, culinary culture landscape, we, you know, Josh took me to a, a, this Taiwanese restaurant that that he is a, a longtime patron of, and、uh, I think the restaurant stuff kind of started among over those conversations about you know what dishes were、uh, more unique. Are characteristic of Taiwan, and which dishes were maybe more characteristic of American Chinese food, and which dishes were maybe from、uh, mainland, or you know, why, but but maybe still had a presence at a Taiwanese restaurant, and why that was the case, or you know, I think so that that kind of naturally centered a lot of our conversations around Taiwanese food because we would like to eat, and like that's you know, we'd go like go out to Flushing, it was like a fun thing to do. Yeah, and it really became like a more of a Restaurant idea. After you know,、uh, we were more friends. I guess better way to put it. And you know, we would talk about work and you know what bullshit was going on at work at the time. Or, and you know, and it kind of was born out of this frustration with our with the current jobs that we were doing, and and、uh, that really helped kind of push along the these conversations. Yeah, I think because we enjoyed, you know, we both worked a lot. So when we're hanging out and enjoying Taiwanese food and flushing or Cooking it at our apartment or something, you know,、um, it sort of became a、uh, like a dreamy alternative to our、uh, daily grind that we were both enduring. So, yeah, like Josh said, like it was sort of born out of this kind of not grass is greener thing, but you know, we we definitely、uh, thought it would be fun to 
to do a Taiwanese concept that so we didn't have to travel so far. Because you know, if you go to Flushing, if you have a you know one day off or a a rare day off, rare free time. Have a lot of things that you save for your day off to do. A lot of responsibilities. It becomes like more or less a busy day of chores, and then you know by the time you have some free time, it's in the evening, and then you got to drive through traffic and get you know thirty forty minutes out to flushing. And then, if you have a car, that's if you have a car, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, you're probably just not going if you don't have a car, yeah. I mean, unless you're a real a real diehard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, and that's also, I mean, I kind of like you know illuminated the kind of people that we wanted to. Essentially, be our, our customer, right? These guys that trek out to Flushing, and this is just like a part of the idea, and it's not specifically what we were like solely after. But you know, we just knew people that were making those treks every every week, like we were, and you know, maybe there was something there in addition to like this, the fact that we love the food and you know we love the atmosphere, and trying to recreate that was you know definitely one of the goals. Yeah, I think there was a time when, when you know, we were considering kind of what sort of concept we'd open, and we had kind of talked about this Taiwanese thing, but then when it became a reality, we had to, like, readdress it. We were like, is this really, you know, is this uh, – because, you know, a lot of – like Josh said, like, a lot of things, like, like the restaurant came after our friendship and our, you know, our relationship as, as like, you know, as friends. And uh, I came across an oven, and, you know, Josh was doing a lot of work on a space – and, you know, I, I asked him, I was like, maybe, you know, you can store, we can store this oven and you can, you, know, you can use it in the space or, or, you know, maybe we can just sell it. sell it and split the money and we would both go up to Connecticut to, to grab it. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, and that was way before you guys even had the, started the restaurant that you had this oven? This, it was an oven, six burner, garland range from the 70s. Combo. Wow. Yeah. This family had it in their home, and before they lived there, there was a lady that did catering out of her, out of her kitchen, and the family that that gave it to us they they never used their stove, and I did, and they hired me to do a to cook a a, a pig for this this guy's seventieth birthday when, and I like used their stove, and they're like, oh, nobody's ever used that thing, like wow, wow. And, yeah, they're like. <laughs> Sweet, I actually know them very well. I'm not. That makes them sound silly. I mean, they're they're not. They're really wonderful people. But <laughs> when they decided to remodel their kitchen, they they called us and they're like, "Hey, if you want to like you know take the stove, you can have it." And it's like, well, it's like a, they don't make them like that anymore. You know, they're like, it's a it's an old heavy piece of equipment that works really well. And yeah. you know, it, it definitely became a center point of our you know our, our channeled our energies yeah. at, uh, to a certain level. The vehicle, the yeah. Word we, <laughs> we use for Kickstarter. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. But I, I guess that oven is not in your restaurant right now, right? <laughs> or is it? Yeah, we still use it. Oh, you still use it? So it's still in your restaurant? There's, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We use it. The Amazing. new ones, new ones of those cost probably a couple thousand bucks. Oh yeah. Obviously, but the like you know this one's obviously super old. And it's kind of heavier duty, I suppose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The grill is retains heat much better. Yeah. Some of the uh, what do you call those? Uh, the griddles for the uh, yeah. for the burners. Some of them have started to crack. Oh dear. But it's still functional and works pretty good. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's still there. It's still wow. there. We were thinking about because you know Trig has a lot of experience and a vast background in, in cooking, mm-hmm. um, but mostly in American cuisine and in the beginning when we were talking about a restaurant, you know, 
you weren't necessarily set on what kind of food you wanted to do, but you know, it eventually became Taiwanese food. But uh, we did, for a very short period of time, think about doing like a new American or Italian restaurant. Oh, um, which okay. obviously would have been right, wrong. right. Wow. <laughs> so, like, how I mean, long? I, okay, so how long did it take you guys from like the point that you guys started talking about this idea to actually opening? The restaurant, and what was it that actually pushed you to open it? How long? Oh, how long did it? Yeah, how long did it take from the time that you guys started talk throwing around this idea to possibly open up a restaurant to the point that you actually, you know, opened up Winson? I think with the stove, if you count that as like a kind of the inception, because I think we started joking around about it at that point. You know, we we're like, oh, like yeah, maybe you know probably sell it maybe you can use it or you know maybe we'll start a restaurant <laughs> and like so the stove just like sat yeah, like uh-huh. sorry so the stove just sat in storage years. for a while or something yeah it, yeah yeah it's it sat in the lobby of my apartment building wow <laughs> in the lobby <laughs> that's funny it's a big lobby oh okay that's good <laughs> um since okay. 2013 that was when we got the stove. But then we yeah. threw it, yeah, so then I threw it into the space that we were working on to, because uh, I, I don't we didn't record previous. So, so I was working as a property manager at the time, mostly like day-to-day operations, uh, maintenance, and construction. And back out, it was like a small, small office. I lived in one of the buildings that I was managing, and so I could, you know, store whatever the fuck I wanted to, more or less, sort of. Anyway... At that point, you know, I was looking for people that wanted to lease uh, the unit that Winston is in now. It was just closed. Uh, it used to be a Spanish restaurant called El Berlante, and so it had been vacant for a little while. And the goal was to basically clean it up, see who wanted to rent it. And a lot of people that were looking at it wanted to combine the Spanish restaurant and the, and the old hair salon next door to make something. And this was happening while Trig and I were just, you know, building our friendship and talking and, and I'll mention things, you know, mentioned this to him and it just became this kind of like unsaid thing that kind of surfaced eventually. And with the stove and the storage of the stove in that space, it just kind of added up or, or made sense enough for us to really like take a serious look. And uh, that's pretty much how it came about. I'd say like, since 2014, 2013, 2014, maybe we were talking. Yeah. 20, yeah, probably more later on, 2013 or early 2014. But. Yeah, and I think there was, like, a point where we might have, like, where the stove kind of made us, like, and, like, our sentiments towards our daily grind made us sort of think that we were, understand that opening up a restaurant was a realistic opportunity, and that opportunity crystallized and became apparent before the concept rounded out. So, you know, there was like, at one point, I'm not a Taiwanese chef or a Chinese chef either. So, you know, I have experience with Japanese food. I was actually cooking Japanese food for my old mentor who does Taiwan, whose family's from Taiwan, which is ironic. But, you know, I, I didn't have any classical training in Chinese food. So, you know, I think there was like a time where Josh was like, well, like, if we're going to open a restaurant, like, are you going to cook Taiwanese food or, you know, are you going to do like what you do? And I was like, well, like, I think we should do, 
you're like Taiwanese food. And, and I think that was kind of like a dream of yours. And like, we kind of, you know, wanted to, wanted to flesh out something that meant something to both of us. And I feel like, you know, we had, we, it was a little bit nerve wracking for both of us because, you know, we knew we had to take an angle because it was, you know, we, we had to accept and, and, and let everybody know that we accepted the fact that we were not, you know, going to, going to produce authentic mom and pop, like classic versions of these, of, of iconic dishes. And, you know, I think we sort of, after we decided to do the Taiwanese thing, we started sifting through all this, all this research and all this, like, you know, experience that we had figuring out what Taiwanese food meant to us and figuring out how to respectfully make it our own, and especially coming through, like, my lens is just like, you know, makes, I feel a very, very heavy burden and responsibility to make sure, you know, we're doing, we're doing good by Taiwan and its history and, and, um, you know, not, not appropriating, but, you know, promoting understanding, you know, it's definitely a complicated situation. Wow. So had you been to Taiwan at that point, Trip? Yeah, we, are, we took our first trip to Taiwan in uh, 2015. Yeah. And at Late that point, you guys committed to this idea of doing the Taiwanese or Taiwanese-American restaurant, and that's why you were going to Taiwan? Yeah, at that point, we were just we, we were committed to the idea and already started working on the space, just like demolishing, clearing it out. And yeah, we went back there with like this idea in places that we wanted to go, in places that I've been, that I wanted to take trade. And uh, we also had the, the awesome presence of my cousin. My cousin Eric, our, our first trip back with Trig, my cousin kind of showed us around and chauffeured us around. Because my Chinese isn't that good. It's very basic. When I, I'm illiterate, I can't read or write. So he kind of helped you know, take us around to the spots that I remember going to and if they're still around. And uh, my mom, of course, also uh, gave us a good amount of time and took us around to where she grew up in Tainan. That was, you know, pretty much the experience, the intro that we had, uh, besides the other research that we did, you know, here in, in Queens. And uh, Josh also gave me this book called An Island in the Stream by wow. Dr. Jerome Keating. Yes, I know Dr. His, Keating. Uh, partner. His, his book uh, kind of blew my mind and, you know, like really, he, he's just so simply and succinctly touched on the different layers of influence and, and, com and complex history of Taiwan. So it really, uh, I think that actually has helped me the most kind of understand how to, how to like start approaching and cooking the food because you have to understand the story. I think the story that food tells is super important, right? And it's like, if you don't understand you know, the regional history, then I think it's really difficult to, to cook the food. And I would not consider myself an expert by any means, but I think that's definitely like where I like, Foot, find like footholds and like latch on to historical facts that kind of help me understand why you know certain ingredients are used or certain dishes pop up here or there. Dr. Akiti like helped helped us out a lot. We actually met up with him in Taipei last time we were there and oh, had drinks with him and got some of his new books and you know like talked for a few hours. So oh, that's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. Wow. And so. In your opinion, where is the best place to in Taiwan to be sampling like the most authentic Taiwanese food? Like, and I imagine that's where you guys went, right? When you're trying to figure out what kinds of dishes and the formula and stuff like that. Where, where would you say is the best place? 
best place for for what? The most authentic Taiwanese food or the best sampling of Taiwanese food? I mean, there's not. I think that's a tough question. Yeah. I mean, maybe my cousin could. You know, my my oldest tiger. I mean, it's just you know, it's kind of like the favorite restaurant. I don't know. Yeah, I think we would. All right, if if we were going to answer that question, I think we might say Tainan just because of your family history there. Yeah. But yeah, I I think I mean, I think like we got a lot of good feelings from Guohuajie,、uh, which is this little small street where they have like a bunch of. Uh, food vendors, like you know, on the first like, not stall, I guess stalls, but like yeah, like little mini restaurants and yeah,、mm-hmm. and a lot of counters. And that's、um, in Tainan. In terms of trucks, yeah, yeah. I, I I would also say like you know part of you can only we so I think in, together. I mean, Josh has been going, you've been going to Taiwan like you know your whole life, but like. Together,、so、spent like you know over a month in Taiwan or you know closer to two, but master like become an expert on a country in that amount of time. And I think like for me as a chef, what I was really seeking is like just connecting to the culture and like kind of trying to understand things as best as I could from like a you know a feeling and you know like you you know, connect connect in that in that right. So traveling and like seeing the landscape and you know like being in. Tainan, Gaoshang, Walian, and Taipei—you know—is just scratching the surface. But I think that you know those connections and the people we met—you know—from Josh's cousin Eric to our friends that we've gone back to see in Walian that own that own a couple hostels and、uh, you know have grown their business since we first met them. You know, like these kind of things. I think these like sort of see like cultural seeds that you exchange and grow. Like I think you know. Like we're after the the well-rounded kind of experience, knowing that there's only so much time that we can spend there, and of course, a lot of it's centered around you know seeking food or just basically asking like、um, our friends or, or or my cousins where they like to eat, and just going out and hanging out and eating, you know, just kind of having a good time and and learning through that experience. Experience, you know, rather than trying to like hit the books or something. You know, it's. I think, it, yeah, I think it can be like pretty nerve wracking if you're like studiously and like. I mean, I, I, we're de- we're definitely studious about it, but like, if you're incessantly trying to find the best place to eat the best thing, because like it's subjective. So social and culinary impressions are more important than specific bites, right? So like, you know, you, maybe you have a really good meal, but if you're with A shitty party, or like your company is terrible, then like it's not going to be that enjoyable. So like, you know, there's like this one bar that Josh's cousin Tiger takes us to, and like he's got two kids and always busy. So when we go, when he like makes time, we like drink a lot of beer and like have like smoke a lot of cigarettes and eat like you know like like kind of Taiwanese Japanese is a kaya style food and like yeah, I mean I don't know you know there's it's like it's we're just trying to like. Get the best taste of everything, you know, not not just like,、uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, no. It makes a lot of sense. It's very interesting your approach because it's not necessarily like technically about the food and getting it like down, but like you touched on a lot of things. Like it's a lot. It's about the experience and the ambiance and like the whole, ex- you know, the whole thing because it's not just literally just the food. Like you said, it depends on who you're with, you know, how you feel at the time, probably like the ambiance. All those things play a factor into the whole experience. Absolutely. Yeah, and like 
in terms of a couple like recipes that reflect that, you know, when when we Taiwan, you, Josh's grandfather still lives in Tainan along with several of your family members. So like we usually just hit the bullet train to Tainan, and usually the first thing the first thing we do we sort of seem to make a tradition out of it. We go to Guohaja and eat Oajin at the same place that we that you know his mother first took us to. And that you know when you sit at that counter, you can watch the lady cook the Oajin, and like I've committed to memory the way she does that and you know adjusted it and mimic it in my kitchen and that might be like the only dish that i do that with because you know the other stuff is stuff that i've read about and i've had to imagine and use you know read recipes and thread those recipes through my experience and tweak them based on my gut instincts you know so i would say that there's like that's a good example of like how you know, I feel like when you think you're going on a food research trip, you go and you like watch cooks and chefs and you copy them, right? But like, there's very few items on our menu where we're like mimicking, right? So, I, and I think that basing that sort of approach with a historical con- context or a historical consideration and respect that it becomes original, but also respectful, you know, and, and I don't want to claim like originality or anything, but you know, I think like that's how, you know, like we've, yeah, it's become natural to, I think people can recognize our flavors and like, you know, structures and, and, and also, and accept differences, but also find like, like pleasant familiarities at the same time they can, you know, I hope so anyway. And I think that might have something to do with our approach to the food. Yeah, no, I have to say, like, when I tried the ochen, the sauce really impressed me. I'm like, wow, this is pretty close to, like, the sauce that I've had in Taiwan with the ochen. So, I think, yeah, I was, I was amazed. That was pretty good. Great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> High five, yeah. Um, so, I'm curious, where did the name of uh, the restaurant, Winsun, come from? And what does it mean? So, Winsun is, like, a phonetic translation of, uh, like, my grandfather, my mom's dad's old textile importing company, oh. it was called Ingsen, which is kind of like, I think it's more common in, in Cantonese, Chinese, uh, the way it's uh, spelled out, just from what, I, what I've experienced in talking to people about this. But uh, it basically translates to uh, abundance, more literally like uh, um, overflowing with profit. Which is not a bad thing. Oh yeah, a little bit too literal. <laughs> and yeah, so that's just a phonetic translation of you know my grandpa's company, and, and kind of tying that to to that, and also being able to. Win is a very, uh, I think, very common and popular prefix to a lot of Taiwanese-owned businesses or Chinese-owned businesses, just because you know in is a very uh, ubiquitous word and associated with you know good success, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so having that, and then also the, the family tie, and then all just being, you know, something fresh, you know, in America, I think it, it all it makes sense. Right. And um, so I read somewhere that as you guys were, like, opening, uh, and correct me, I'm not sure, is this before you opened or when you're, after you opened, you guys used to do some pop-up dinners or things like that? Yeah, we still do, just a lot less now because we're a busy restaurant, but we definitely popped up with our big chicken sandwich in a couple restaurants like upland and on uh 26 and park in the city um that's where we first popped up 
or well, I guess we first popped up in Charlottesville, Virginia, where uh, you know that's kind of where we first like piloted uh, our concept, like in a in collaboration with my old my old boss Pei Chang, and uh, and like raised some money for some cha- for charity, and and then in New York we popped up at Upland, and then we also popped up at Craft. So these are like very high end wow. restaurants that were like auspiciously giving us a venue for the night and. You know, we, we like to host pop-ups here as much as possible, you know, which is, like, at, at the most once a month because, you know, we're pushing it pretty hard in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we definitely make, I guess, uh, our goal to collaborate with folks, you know, whether it's friends or people that we that we see and, you know, really like what they're doing or have a lot of respect for. And, and I think that's really important, especially – in this business, just because, you know, that's kind of how we got our start, um, in a way. And, and especially with this kind of food that, that we're doing, that Trig is really kind of pushing in the kitchen. It's, you know, it's like, it's kind of new. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing without folks like, you know, Trig always talks about this, like David Chang and Danny Bowen. You know, those guys really, uh, opened up the door for, for, for guys like us. So, um, maybe we could, do the same thing. I don't know. Right. I mean, what a great way to get exposure for Winston and what you guys are doing. And, and I mean, it's really amazing to see that you guys still have such a good friendship because, you know, you often hear people say you shouldn't go into business with friends and things like that. But has yeah. it changed your friendship at all being business partners? We're, now? We, we like, uh, we act like brothers. Like we'll fight. We fight plenty. Like yeah. we, we usually, you know, talk it, talk, talk it out. And, you know, we, like we have, same relation problems, relationship yeah. problems with any marriage. <laughs> yeah. we, also, we get along pretty good all the time too, so it's yeah, it's good. Yeah, and you know, not to divert because it's a funny subject that I enjoy talking about because it's like makes it makes it normal. Yeah. <laughs> like, what like when we uh, the boba guys just like you know they really we met them on a tea panel that cookbook and, and author and writer Kathy Irwe. She put us on a tea panel with the Boba guys with mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Chow and, and Ben from, from Boba. Um, they were incredibly hospitable and great hosts and had us out to San Francisco and we, we popped up in uh, one of their locations, which was really cool to get some exposure on the West Coast. And, yeah. you know, yeah. we've just met a lot of really cool people and uh, kind of reconnected with their homies at um, TaiwaneseAmerican.org and met mm-hmm. some more folks, uh, Hochi, who I think you did an interview with as well. Yes, yes. I actually went to school with Hochi, and I know him quite well. Yeah, yeah he's the best. And, oh, yeah, uh, he's the um, man. <laughs> and uh, Chet Ting. Uh, yes. Yeah, Ting, yes. Ting from uh, the Bay Area. Yep. He, he's yep. been, like, extremely helpful and generous person, and, you know, explaining things and really, like, you know, we had some stickers, some Taiwanese flag stickers, and he was, you know, we were like, is this, you know, this is like technically like the KMT flag, but, mm. you know, we want to promote it. I think we're promoting a, you know, a double-edged sword kind of thing where, you know, and, and Ting was kind of like, all, like weighed in and was like, yeah, you know, for now that's okay. Like, you know, <laughs> that, yeah, the flats, the, yeah, that's the closest thing Taiwan has to like their own flag right now. So like, that's a good, good flag to wrap, but you know, Hopefully, as time moves on, you know, we can have a flag that's independent of the KMT. Because I think, I think, like, what a lot of you know, people, especially in, like, 
and the states don't quite understand about Taiwan is that like one of the singular driving forces of Taiwanese identity or national identity is like is like this like very confusing KMT party that you know a lot of people have like very close family family history related to and um, you know it's like a very in a lot of ways very positive but also it can be confusing because you know you know it's like it's like my old boss like he's like he identifies as, as first and foremost as Chinese and not not Taiwanese because he you know he his his family fought with uh, Chiang Kai-shek and that regime so that can get complicated especially you know and like maybe the next generation like kids our age and and stuff like you know, maybe you know if, if those folks with parents that that are that came over with that regime and kind of associate I, I don't know it's, it's very complex I'm like I'm yeah. kind of tripping over my mm-hmm. words but like no, well, no. I just want to is you know, there is like a it can be like distinctions that can the distinctions can be made if you want them to and you know I think as Taiwan is developing and coming into its own hopefully uh, more and more you know like that'll be more you know apparent and you know people that obviously we don't want to get too political you know like for, for me I've always considered myself Taiwanese but then never really asked you know thought really wide what was behind that and I think it was just the idea of place and Taiwan being an island and separate from China in a lot of ways and also in in a few ways that aren't separate but I think that really just came from this place of you know wanting to be able to really like set roots down somewhere in some way at least in my head and be able to identify with that but at the same time acknowledge you know where where my dad's family you know and also where my mom's family maybe 100 years before uh, which is you know mainland China and obviously it's changed a lot my mom i mean i've asked my mom this she considers herself you know chinese but also taiwanese but it's like i've also asked her in ways that might like change the way that she responded because i don't think she's ever really like thought about it to that extent in the way that you know americans or chinese americans or any yeah i think that's a great minority yeah like americans want to be like oh taiwan should be free you know like they should be their own country but it's like it's a little bit more complicated than that, yeah. but like, especially for like me, it's like, like I really only have like fat, like his Keating's books, and like, I like Ting recommended me uh, the Imagine Geographies, which is like a very, I, don't, I mean, from my perspective so far through the book, is like it's a little bit, it's not biased, but it's basically like discrediting China's like claim and like and like to Taiwan and like calling it relatively new and like and and it, and it like has historically correct like the way they're presenting the information but you know history is like a perspective and you know mm-hmm. and it's it's hard you don't want to be like super political but it's also we've come to understand that it's very hard not to be political especially when we were like a taiwanese restaurant you know we're not a chinese restaurant we're a taiwanese restaurant in new york so people are like what is that and like well you know like really started to understand that there's like a big time challenge in taiwan right now where like you know i put I was like, Josh and I were putting up a post about Urba, uh, and like, mm-hmm. it was it was rather complicated because like, you know, explain in a in few words what that means to a large, you know, a large community. It, it's 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 relatively difficult because, you know, like the, the the KMT until recently has been a been a been a you know a, a proponent of like of 
of, of an independent Taiwan, but it's also like this party that took up arms against its people in, in 1947, I believe, right? So it's like, you know, it's kind of this like hard thing for, you know, it just shows that like folks in Taiwan have had a hard time like trusting, you know, our you know, political powers that are, that are, that are influential. And, you know, like, I, I think, uh, I, like we like mentioned, I mentioned it, the, the DPP at the end of the post and, you know, people are like, Oh, well, that's, that, you know, the, one, you know, the, you know, their, their DPP presidents have been thrown out for corruption. It's like, you know, I, we're not trying to like make some political statement and support a, or, or necessarily like make some wild sweeping political statement. It's just like try, we're trying to illustrate that it's like a, a complex and, and and challenging situation to just you know talk about identity and like not everybody has the luxury of you know of of uh, of you know such clarity and certainty and there's like it's having the time to think about it really yeah mm-hmm. I think like especially in, like the West or in the states you know identity is a huge part of uh, or a huge you know. It's something that, you know, as, let's say, like a minority that really needs to connect with at some point in their life. And and so in Taiwan, you know, I could see it being the same thing for folks, but maybe not. You know, I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure. But the landscape of this restaurant and then us trying to find this balance with food and, and doing food that is highly, you know, political in nature, or just, you know, food itself, especially with Taiwan's history, you know, it's just had, you know, we've just gone, you know, pretty deep into a lot of different things, and you know, come out, you know, hopefully, you know, more knowledgeable, and be able to, you know, express more yeah. interesting things through the food, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, find, I feel like, like a precocious little kid or something, like, I'm, like, making these, like, I find myself, like, making these political, like, assertions or statements that I, that I like really shouldn't be, or like don't under, but like, you know, I'm not, you know, like I definitely just want to be, I, I just want to really like know what the meaning behind, you know, like our food is. And sometimes, you know, like I, 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 you know, find myself in a much more complicated situation than I intended to be. You know, we were just trying to cook Taiwanese food because we had to go so far to eat it. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden we're making political statements and, you know, all of a sudden we have like, like like our like Josh's cousin who we spent a lot of time with, you know, I've had conversations with him where he's like, yeah, one day I want a Taiwanese passport, and you know, like, so that I care about that because I wanted to have that too. But you know, I also don't want to be like the dumb American that's prescribing my like you know Western ideals onto like something I don't know enough about or shouldn't be talking about. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's unfortunate. He has to worry about because he is white. At the same time, like him and Erica's friends, you know. Right. Your wishes are, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My wishes are, yeah. I want Eric to, like, you know. I guess it's like I feel emo- not emotional, but like I feel passionate about about the subject because it's, you know, it's it affects your it's, friends. It's, it's, yeah. it's become. Yeah. No, I, I really appreciate your perspective, and thank you for sharing that. I really didn't expect us to be getting on this topic, and just for my listeners, uh, if they didn't catch what Trigo was saying about before, he was talking about two twenty eight. February 28, 1947, which just passed recently, and uh, you guys posted something on social media about that. We don't need to go into what that all is, but just wanted to clarify that in case people didn't catch that. But yeah, I mean, one thing like I really noticed about your menu and my dining experience was that um, a lot of the dishes were actually listed in their Taiwanese names, like Oa Jen and Lu Fun, and I... 
actually really noticed because I ordered the dish and I said something about the oyster omelet, and then the waitress said back to me, "Oh, you want the oyster?" And I just found that very interesting. Like, do you guys like actually? Yeah, she said it back to me, right? And so I was like, "So is that intentional? Like, do you guys like tell your waste staff to like do that, or was that like there's some thought behind like that you wanted?" I mean, to- we, don't t- we don't tell them to respond in Taiwanese or Mandarin, but we do supply them with abundant information because as we were opening, you know, we were really worried about people misunderstanding what we're trying to do, and at the end of the day, like. You know, we wanted to express this like cultural and culinary impression that Taiwan has made on us. So we realized that if we had servers translating that experience, that 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 notion to customers without proper information, that they could very easily distort it. And we've like we're kind of blessed with like a, a great team and a, a group of folks that have been a lot of them been on board since uh, very early on in the beginning. And like you know, it's it's really fun to watch or to you know see some people on our team like you know really understand the history and like kind of uh, uh, like you know build associations you know like that have translated to you know a more in-depth knowledge of you know Olajin that's what they think of it as Olajin not Oyster Island which is great like Mm -hmm. you know we were really young you know texting Instagram emailing these guys with things that you know we, we read about and find interesting or you know Checking out a documentary uh, about you know this this daughter and her dad from Hobey. I forget the name of the documentary. Like sitting that out, any sort of thing that like could be interesting to folks. You know, we we try to feel it to them, and some some check it out, some don't. But at the end of the day, it's really like it comes back to you know our team and you know and and kind of doing this thing that we're doing and trying to have a good time doing it and growing at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's it's, mm-hmm. it's cool. And so you guys are thinking, like, what do you, what are your future plans? Like, where do you see this going? You guys are thinking about opening up another location. Like, where do you see this going? Winsun is kind of been, I mean, it's been doing very well. We've been super busy and, uh, Trig has been getting a lot of great, you know, reviews on its food and it's undeniable that we have to replicate it at some point. Maybe, I don't know somewhere else right and but right now what we're working on the main thing we're working on is uh is a little bit more consolidated concept wise less full service yeah i mean i think you know a restaurant is is so hard to manage and operate and I, but you know i i think growth is something that we want to embrace and you know i think we're going to do that in a in a in a way that enables us to encourage growth but and, and manage it and i think the way we're going to do that is, is hopefully by creating a concept that's a little bit more consolidated. And, uh, I think, you know, there, there's a few, uh, there's a few concepts that we're, that we're discussing. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if we're quite ready to talk about them specifically, but, but, you know, we want to, we want to stay in Brooklyn for now and, um, you know, keep, you know, if, if we grow, we're going to do something that we can manage and not, not let get out from under us. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn and mm-hmm. Queens. So is it is it um, what it's cracked up to be now that you guys are doing this full time? You're not like stuck in some job working for somebody else or that you don't like. Like, how would you say like the ex- experience has been? Is it what it's cracked up to be? Are you guys happier now? Not happier, but like I mean, happy about it. But uh, I don't know. It's 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 a dream for sure. Yeah. It's like uh, it's 
it's great. I, I love working with this guy. I think it's <laughs> challenging and very rewarding. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, it's funny. Like, are you happier? It's like, yeah, definitely happier in, in the sense like you, that you touched on. Like, it's rewarding. It's hard work. And we are working for ourselves. And that's uh, – I wouldn't have it another way now. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's fucking hard. You know, like yeah. – and, and uh, managing uh, a really subjective thing like food is and and staying on top of it is you know you know we we just want to make sure we're t- like the number one challenge is like you know the restaurant industry is plagued with the great paradox that people do not want to pay what the food is worth and you know there's like you know a lot of racial stigma towards Asian food where and and you know even South American and Central American food where people don't want to pay a lot for it. And they have expectations for it to be cheap, but it's not cheap because it's food. So that's bullshit. And then in addition to that, there's a lot of people like in Manhattan, you know, like Joel Robichon or Joel Robichon that's serving like, you know, a $52 steak tartare, you know? So like, you know, we're trying to give people a super fair deal and, but also like kind of beat that that stigma that we're expected to serve cheap food so you know finding that balance and like really giving people value and but but also not ripping people off is like what we're all about we're tr- and you know one of our number one goals is accessibility so we wanted to you know be able to show you know introduce people to Taiwanese food and kind of build these like cultural bridges but you know also not like keep out you know the folks in our neighborhood that have been here for 60 years that don't necessarily um, operate with the same amount of spendable income that say some of the new people in the tech industry or financial world that live out here that, that have, or, you know, we, so we, we want our, we want our price point to be super inclusive rather than exclusive. And, and I think we've been, you know, done, done really well with that, but, you know, well, I guess back to the point is like, you know, it's hard. So, you know, it's exhausting, but, you know, I think we're, the work we're doing now is much more rewarding and purposeful than the work we were doing before mm-hmm. when saw it. You know, it, it, right. yeah. Yes. You're seeing a full dining room and like customers every night. It's it's, dope. Yeah. 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 And to know that you guys yeah. made that happen. Right. Um, so do you have any yeah, advice? Then, you know, the, yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, continue. Continue. Yeah. Oh, I just sort of, you know, like we, we would not be anywhere without a lot, a lot of help from friends and family and, you know, Loyal neighborhood customers, et cetera, et cetera. Mets fans. <laughs> yeah. um, so, would you guys have any advice for people who are interested in like starting a restaurant or going into this business? I would say find a good partner and someone that compliments you very well uh, in terms of experience, work experience, and just like even personality, I think is a huge thing. And, you know, that just worked out for us. I don't think we. We knew what was going to happen going into it, and you know it's it's not just you know locked and loaded, black and white. It's kind of just kind of molding to, to each other, you know, and and learning how you guys complement each other. But then beyond that, I think you know just know what you what you're doing. I mean, as much as you can, right? Whether it's researching or talking to people, really putting yourself out there. Yeah, yeah, like just and, and also just not like accepting a no you know like if it you know there to a certain extent you will not know what you're doing uh, you know i I've, I've been doing food since i was 
six, 15, 16 years old, you know, you, you've been like running a business for a long time and been like immersed in the business that you're running before that for a long time. Like we both have a lot of experience in our fields and, uh, you know, re- relatively a lot of experience. Like I, I would not consider, even though I've been doing this for almost 15 years, I would not consider that a lot of experience. I'm still young for, you know, so like I, I, we're, we're very fortunate though that it worked out and, you know, but you know, to a certain extent that, that experience only goes with so far. So you have to be like Josh said, with a partner that you can count on or that, you know, you have to set yourself up. So you're supported in the areas that you, that you don't, that you are not, you know, expect, you don't have any expertise or, you know, you have to know what you don't know. Like you have to, or you just have to have a lot of money. <laughs> you have a lot of money. Uh, I don't know. I don't uh, think money solves all problems. <laughs> a lot of problems. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, uh, uh, taking your time, planning as best as you can, getting that experience that you need. Uh, okay. So, where can people find it, find them? Did you guys have anything else you wanted to say before we like? If there's anything else you wanted to let people know about, any announcements or anything you want to cover in the podcast? Website: Winston Brooklyn. Dot com. That's two ends, as in Nancy Winson. And then we have Instagram. Our handles at at Winson Brooklyn. Same thing with the ends. Um, There's no double ends. So. Well, at W I N as in Nancy, S O N as in Nancy. That's what I meant. Yeah, Winson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Double N. I would have thought it was N N something. Okay. Great. Thanks so much, guys. It was such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you, Felicia. Thank you, Felicia. I've been speaking with Trick Brown and Josh Koo about Taiwan's food, culture, and history. If you're in the New York area, you must make a trip out to their Taiwanese-American restaurant, Winsome, located in East Williamsburg. I highly recommend trying the OHN. To learn more about Winson, visit their website at www.winsonbrooklyn.com and check out their Instagram account for updates on events and restaurant closings at Winson Brooklyn. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lee. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.